0: Before we start this episode, I want to give a quick disclaimer, as in this episode, we're discussing nudity, sexual harassment, and pornography. So if those are topics that are triggering to you, please listen to this with some care. And maybe you want to skip this episode altogether and tune in next week. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Asking for a Friend, the podcast where we try to answer the big and small questions in life. I'm your host, Elena, and on today's episode about glitter poop, weird conversations, why horny audios make you better athletes, and emotionally spiraling makes me a better coach. And in today's main conversation, I talked to Sophie Compton about the question, should you send nudes or not? And where do deep fakes play into this? But before we do that, let's get into our first segment, Have You Heard That? Hello, 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 guys. You're listening to this episode while I'm recording this on my new microphone, which makes me really excited because it makes me finally feel like a real podcaster. It's um, the it, it's this mic that I've seen on one of my favorite podcasts, which is Dropouts. Quick shout out to be on that podcast is a big milestone, like a big dream of mine, a big goal of mine. So I definitely want to make that happen at some point. But they have those exact pot mics as well. It's called Road Pot Mic. So this is not an ad, by the way, at some point, maybe. But I'm recording on my new podcast mic and this is really exciting. I know for some of you, it might be really, really lame, but for me, it's really exciting. And yeah, why am I even talking about this? I can already tell this is going to be an unhinged intro. If you haven't heard it in the basically the summary of the episode that you just heard, I mean, I I already in the first three sentences, I talked about glitter poo. And I think I wanted to get into that first. So, first of all, this is not a topic that just came to my mind for no reason. It came to my mind because. I am still in Hamburg. So I'm in Hamburg visiting my friend Luca. I'm also here because I went to the pop-up shop opening of another friend of mine, which by the way, was absolutely insane. It was so incredible. In general, I have the most creative friends. Sometimes I think people have to be jealous of me because I I just have the most amazing friends, but you know what? We don't want to get into that. Basically, after that, I went to dinner with uh, some of my friends and the topic of glitter poop just came to us. I think mainly because I decided for this year as an intention, I wanted to do more with my makeup and my hair. And I had decided to go for a very glittery eye makeup, dare I say. And for that, I decided to dump like a whole, not a whole, half. One of one of those little pots of glitter onto my face, mainly my eyelids, because I wanted to have it be really shiny, very shimmery and have this little eye moment. And so much of the glitter landed underneath my eyes. I look like freaking Edward from Twilight, like this is the skin of a killer, Bella. And I just it look good. Edward had an idea there. He was onto something. So I was just, I had that on there. And then for whatever reason, Luca, my best friend, she came to this like, Oh yeah, you know what? Like glitter because we decided glitter is really cool and glitter just makes everything better. And she said, yeah, you know that there are like capsules that are filled with edible glitter and you can take those and it makes your poop glittery. First question, where do I get those? Second question, why would someone invent something like this? There's no reason we should A, make poop glittery, B, that anything is going to make poop l- more appealing. It's the least appealing thing in the world. We're talking about feces, guys. And I can't, Im- I can't believe that I'm talking about this on a podcast, on my podcast. But hey, here we are. Here we are. We're going to get more unhinged while this whole episode progresses. But in that moment, I thought about people who have invented things that in the beginning, maybe people would have said, you're crazy for this, but they actually made money with this. And I want to come up with something that is absolutely unhinged, but that is probably going to make a lot of money. I don't have an idea yet. If you have ideas and you want to partner up on something, I'm your girl. I'm your girl. Let's make this. I feel like we could influence a whole lot of people. But yeah, so that was one of the topics we talked about. Another topic, and you have to imagine, this is a a group of girls that is super different in what we do. It's super different in our characteristics of who we are as people. And that's the most fun about it all because it gets really unhinged. And there is basically no filter. We have no filter whatsoever when we talk with each other. And um, Yana, who's one of the other friends that was, was with us, she... She's one of the really direct people and I enjoy that so much because we can just talk shit the whole time and really push each other's buttons and it's the most unhinged and fun conversation. At one point, we talked about books and you know how much I love to talk about books and I told Jana about the... The fantasy books that I'm reading, you know, about fairies, like Faye, Bad Wings, and all that jazz. And that those can get really spicy and that it's really fun to read them. And then she told me about something that a friend of her told her because she wanted to get into a new workout routine, I think. And I don't know how people... Like, runners fascinate me. Runners fascinate me because... I absolutely, I cannot get behind running. I'm trying to get into it right now, again. But for people who say it's cathartic or it's like really clearing the mind, I just don't get it. It, I start out and then I feel really good. And I imagine myself just running like 10 kilometers. After one kilometer, I want to die. I want to just lay down on the ground and not move anymore. So runners who run marathons, someone asked me the other day that like, why are you 30 now? So when are you going to run your first marathon? It's like, never. I'm going to say this on this podcast and you can hold me to it. The moment I decide to sign up for a marathon is the moment I have lost my absolute marbles. So please, if you find out I'm, I'm deciding to run a marathon, check in on me. And just check in on me and ask me if I'm okay. Because I can absolutely promise you I'm not. Right now, I don't have a marathon plan. So I'm good. I'm okay. But yeah, so we talked about how can you actually be excited about running and get through these moments where you think, oh, it's still 10 miles, it's still 5 miles or kilometers. And she said that her friend recommended her to listen to spicy audiobook while running. Reason being, and it makes a lot of sense, reason being when you listen to spicy audiobooks, you will not be able to think about anything else than that audiobook. The mental images that these spicy, sexy, smutty audiobooks will project into your mind, will occupy your mind so far that none of your brain cells will be able to concentrate on running. And I love that because I can relate. Whenever I'm I'm reading my fantasy books, there are some really explicit scenes in there, guys. Really explicit writing. I enjoy it. I, I feel myself blush especially when like I'm sitting in the kitchen at my mom's place around Christmas. I had one of the books and it was getting really explicit. I mean, like, yeah, I I don't, I don't think I should I say this on this podcast? It was getting really explicit. It was like throw someone against the wall and um, push really long things into other body openings and things. So I was reading this and all the while my mom was cooking. And this was such a weird situation where I thought, this is not cool. This is really, this is, can she read my mind what I'm reading right now? And that's, especially when you do it in front of parents, like like if you read something like this in front of parents, that is so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I don't even know why. I mean, I mean, I know why, but, but why, you know, but still, I'm going to try this out. I'm definitely going to try this out because I want to get into running. I want to feel what this runner's high is that people talk about. And. If one of the other orgasms is part of the equation, not in public, maybe, that would be not so nice, but hey, you do you, um, then why not? I will, I will keep you updated. I will keep you updated on what I decide and if, if that works. And if any of you can recommend any good sites for spicy audiobooks, smutty, sexy, spicy audiobooks, please let me know because I need input. Another... What, what else was it that we talked about? That was just really fun. It was just really fun to be here. It is really fun to be I'm still here. So it's really fun to be here. I went to my old yoga studio that I always go to. I decided to go at 7 to 30 in the morning, which meant I had to be up by six to be out of the house by 6.30. And not my time anymore, guys. Not my time. I used to be the person in the winter to get up at 5 a.m. because no one was awake and then did my workout. I am not that person anymore. I need my eight hours or plus sleep. But there I was, 7.30, I was on the mat in the studio and it was the best thing I could have done. And this seamlessly, and that, I just realized how genius that 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 was. How genius that connection was now between, have you heard that? Because that's over now. We're closing off that, have you heard that? And we're talking about that's mental. Our favorite segment. After the yoga class, I decided, because when I was in Shavasana, do you guys also feel like in Shavasana, you have just the best moments of clarity? I do at least. Sometimes I just overthink why I'm laying there, but most of the time I actually gain a new perspective by just lying there listening to chill music and trying to yeah, just shut my shut my brain off. And I thought, you know what? You should walk down to the Alster. If you if you are familiar with Hamburg, the Alster is the big lake in the middle of the city. And one part of my brain thought, no, you need to get home. You need to get home and keep on working. You have a lot of podcasts to finish and you wanted to do X, Y, Z. So hustle, hustle, hustle. You need to do this. But my gut feeling told me go down to the lake and just have a little stroll. And that was the best thing I could have done. So I listened to my gut feeling. I listened to my, to that little tug in my head that said, no, 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 go to the water, go to the water. So I went down and while I was standing there looking at the sunrise, which was absolutely gorgeous and the little waves on the lake, all of my worries came bubbling up. I was worrying about my business. I was worrying about what I said to that friend. I was worrying about everything in that moment. And then I don't know what it was, but I realized, holy shit, I have been living out of fear for so long, for probably a couple of weeks at least, if not the majority of the second half of last year, without even catching myself in it, without even noticing it per se. And then I thought, you know what? I'm already just considering the worst case scenario. What if I knew that whatever I'm worrying about, that I knew for sure it would work out in the future. I already had a crystal ball and looked in it and I saw that everything works out for me in the future. How would I feel right now? I would feel relaxed. I would feel calm. I would think that, you know what? I can go for a walk now. I can work later and we'll still get my stuff done. And I did that with everything, every single worry I had. And I could physically feel a weight just lift off of me. And that's just by switching my mindset. And then I realized something. Something. That's what makes me a better coach, not the weightlifting, but the experiencing these overthinking spirals still, because a lot of people might think, oh, Elena, you're a coach. You don't have any problems anymore because I have the, you have the tools and you know how to do this. Nah, that is a misconception because I still go through them. I might have the tools and maybe sometimes I'm a little bit faster at catching myself while I'm spiraling. But I still go through the same stuff that my clients and that you guys listening are going through. And when I realized that that makes me a better coach, that was such a milestone because I realized I'm a better coach because I can I know how you're feeling. It makes me a better coach because I have been and still am in those situations at times. It I can relate to what you're sharing and therefore I can find solutions to then share with you. And that was such a revelation. And it made me feel so good. So good. In fact, that I forgot how far it is to walk around that fucking lake, but it felt good. It felt good. And guess what? I got everything done on that day. And I even got some confirmations from clients. I was able to send a proposal, a proposition for a group coaching, an artist group coaching to the women in music network. That I had held a workshop uh, last Monday. By the way, if you're interested in artist group coaching, if you are an artist and you're interested in group coaching, reach out to me. Send me a message on Instagram because there are still spots available in there and it's such a great program. Basically, it's coaching for musicians and for creatives in the music industry to exactly deal with those kinds of overthinking spirals and gaining the tools to be their best creative selves in that industry. So yeah, if that's for you, reach out to me via Instagram and I will send you all the information. But to get back to that, what I've learned in that moment is what I sometimes think as a weakness might turn out as my biggest strength. So I urge you to think about your life, think about what you're worrying about or what you think your weakness is and find your strength in it. And if you need support with that. Just message me, message me and let's talk about it. Let's figure it out together. I think that is a nice closing to that's mental because I really want to start with my guest for today. So let's dive into it on to today's topic. I'm so excited for this topic because I know we have talked about some, in some episodes about topics that are a little bit more lighthearted. Today, we're starting lighthearted, but it's going to get deep very soon and very fast. So today... I have someone very special with me. She's a director, producer, and activist who tells women's stories of injustice and healing and has won multiple awards, including South by Southwest Special Jury Award for Innovation and in Storytelling. In her recent documentary, Another Body, she dives headfirst into the underground world of deep fakes and discovers a growing culture of men terrorizing women by weaponizing this technology. Making us pose today's question, should I send that nude or not? Or is our bodily autonomy already up for grabs without us even being evolved? Welcome to Asking for a Friend, Sophie Compton.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Oh, you're so
0: welcome. Today's topic, like truly, this is the first topic where it it can start lighthearted. And that's why the episode is called, like, should I send that nude? Because yeah. we probably already all have done it. But what happens when there is something like some explicit content of us out there without us even being involved? And we're going to get into this. Yeah. But first of all. I always welcome my guests with two
1: questions. The first being, who's your celebrity hall pass? We were just thinking about this because I definitely don't have one that's constantly circulating around my mind, but I think it would have to be Penelope Cruz, even though I'm mostly straight. I love the it
0: mostly. It's like,
1: I'm mostly straight, but then let's get into it. I'm like operationally mostly straight. Although Penelope Cruz is definitely the ultimate crush. I just think she's just she's the most gorgeous human being that has ever been created on, oh, yes. on, on the Lord's earth. Also timeless. And also yeah. she's like, she and does so not talented. age. She does not age. And she does not age in a way that I find um, some Hollywood stars don't age in a way that I'm like, no, please age. <laughs> the Botox <laughs> and like the fillers and everything. <laughs> please age. Um, she's, yeah, she's a firecracker. That's for sure. What's your favorite movie? God, I don't even think it's necessarily about the movies. I mean, I love all of her Pedro Almodovar movies. Yes. Because she's played so many brilliant characters and unhinged and wild yes. and fierce and mothers that are terrible and mothers that are brilliant. And she's just got this, she's got such a range of female um, energies, which I think is amazing.
0: What do you think about Vicky Cristina Barcelona? Because I, I know controversial take on the director, but... I kind of
1: like, I love the movie. I remember loving it. I honestly can't remember that well. <laughs> she plays an on woman as well. Yeah. I remember her getting into a big fight with someone, um, <laughs> who the, other, the, the blonde girl. Um, but um, was it Scarlett It was Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, was- <laughs> yes. I was like the blonde girl. I was like, am I going to mention it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I remember the hint, the unhinged arguing scene, yes. which was great. And
0: I mean, she is married to Javier Bardem, right? Yeah. And he's in the movie yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's like, it's, it's the perfect combination. Yeah.
1: Maybe my celebrity buck is a throuple with the thruple. Thruple. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love that. And I, I mean, like, fair. Yeah. Absolutely fair. I think it's a ha- valid thruple. response. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay. Question number two. What's an unpopular opinion you have? Well, I mean, it depends who you're talking to. Oh, as (laughs) with all unpopular opinions. I
1: think a lot of my opinions are possibly unpopular to people (laughs) further to the right of politics, shall we say. Um, But I feel like an annoying opinion that would probably frustrate my dad, especially, is constantly think wanting to constantly bring uh, greater context to any conversation and, um, and I think that sometimes people believe, uh, think in absolutes. Yes. And this is a fight that I have with my dad in a really specific way because my dad's a botanist and he does like plant taxonomy and he's like, a word's meaning is the word's meaning. And that's like his whole career is based on that. I'm like, no, the word is a bunch of signs and it doesn't mean anything intrinsically. And the meaning is changing iteratively with each iteration. And he just kind of, we just will never ever see eye to eye on this concept of language. Um, but I do believe that, you know, I'm thinking about so much like public discourse at the moment is so polarized. Yes. And I was thinking about how so many people have such valid positions, but especially on Instagram, that's like summarized into one statement, which is a truth, but there's always greater context that can be brought. And in the work that I do, I think people often, there's a lot of anger that comes up against Mm -hmm. the the perpetrators. And I think that that's, I, I don't think that that's a helpful I think it's very justifiable when you're a victim of something to feel that anger and to yes. want that kind of um, accountability. But I think that there's a responsibility of people who are on the sidelines to bring yeah. a broader perspective. I'm very lucky to have a, a, a very loving space for, to disagree. That's that's important.
0: Having a, yeah. having a space where you can talk about so many things without yeah. getting out of hand, yeah. but like where people come together and like can listen to
1: everyone's unpopular opinions. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, sometimes maybe it needs to get out of hand as well. And I understand yes. people's, you know, sometimes people do feel very, very angry. And I think yeah. that, that that rage can be very valid as well.
0: Rage is an emotion after all. And it's something that um, is a messenger. We talked about this before in this podcast, that like rage is a, is a huge messenger for <clears throat> where there's something that you're passionate about and that you want to talk about. Yeah. Thank you for your unpopular opinion. <laughs> So why don't we dive into today's topic? So it has a quite lighthearted topic. Should I send that nude or not? But we're gonna get into it and just like explain what's behind it. But first and foremost, have you ever sent a nude? Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, tell me more.
1: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur. and actually I have a to, connoisseur of the community. <laughs> Um, but I've figured out my angles after <laughs> at some point however I it takes me a while to feel safe with yes. someone and it, I, it's not something that I do lightly and I think having worked in the field of image based sexual violence for a while I definitely am um, aware of how trust can be breached and how yes. consent can be abused however I also think that it can be an incredibly empowering, exciting playful yes. way of expressing your sexuality and within in those and in and I would hate to be in a world where I was too afraid to trust anyone that I didn't send any nudes oh absolutely I did a boudoir shoot last no actually
0: this year and I've never shared the pictures like anywhere other than like with friends but there's this this very candid shot of like my butt out and I was just like I was like this is too good it needs to go on social media but then again that's my business as well so I'm like maybe not maybe somewhere else but it was very tasteful and it was with this lovely woman Anna and she made me feel so comfortable and like not and because I feel like with sexuality especially around women there's so much taboo there's like so much um yeah. shame involved and shame around totally. it shouldn't be there like men can just like take off their shirts and be like yeah here's my chest but like why can't we as women so like it puts I feel like news like sending news like it, it's a reclamation totally of this sensuality and passion but having said that when I was in high school, and I think it was when my brother was in high school—see, he's two years younger than I am—there was this huge thing about nudes of certain girls being sent around. Yeah, yeah. Have, did that happen in your like high school experience as well?
1: Um, I think to a certain extent it happened in everyone's high yeah. school
0: experience. I hoped it wouldn't, but like. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that as soon as nudes started getting shared and circulated, you knew that they were going to be shared with other people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I was at quite a sheltered, um, I had quite a sheltered school yeah. environment and all girls until I was 16. So I kind of think maybe I escaped some of the worst yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, I definitely have friends who yeah. had Things circulated, had things shared, but also sometimes it wasn't even necessarily news. It was just, it was also unflattering images and there was Mm -hmm. like a pile on of people kind of commenting and there was definitely that feeling of, um, you know, that the, the the female body was like a public marketplace was exactly. a was a thing to be commented on, traded, yeah. sent, shared around, um, mm-hmm. and not valued or respected. And yeah, I mean, I found it very scary to it's send scary. nudes for a really long time. Because and I think it's know. also like it became part of me reclaiming my sexuality in a way, and and that. That fear, I think, and that shame. Yeah, you know, I res- i would massively respect your decision to post that picture, and I think you should. I think <laughs> maybe you I will should. at
0: some point. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah, but like, because why I get to this topic is because when that picture was shared, I've never seen the picture, but I know that it was sent around um, around my brother's friend group, and then it circulated in school. No one said to the guys, Why did you send this around? Yeah. But everybody called that girl a slut. Absolutely. Everyone called her names. Everyone was like, Oh, that's the girl sent news. Like, she's yeah. such a slut. Like, how could she do this? Why are we shaming women? That was like obviously someone she trusted. Obviously, because I think like she was in a relationship with that guy. I was like, oh. No
1: one said, How could he? Yeah. What the fuck? This this is this is exactly what my work has been about. Exactly, it's about how you know how we as a society place the blame and the responsibility on often the women, Mm -hmm. um, and not on the perpetrator, and how misplaced that is. And actually, deepfakes. So, uh, would it be useful to explain what deepfakes are? Do you think people know what that is? No. Okay. So, so deepfakes are images or videos that are altered with artificial intelligence where someone's face is superimposed over somebody else's body. So often it's, um, well it's 96% of deep are and non-consensual pornography and, um, which is sexual abuse, a form of digital sexual abuse. It's exactly. not really po- even pornography. No. Um, and it's, um, 96% are, um, women's faces on a porn actor's body. So there's two people being violated here. There's the person who's being whose face it is, um who's being inserted into this porn and then there's also the porn actor whose body is being, you know, whose identity who's is like being erased. Not getting the credit for their yeah, work. Exactly. But and also his body is um, being
0: appropriated. Just to cut in there for a second, um to Before we start into deepfakes. And I feel like deepfakes, what everyone did with deepfake was like these Indiana Jones, there's like movie clips that circulated around Instagram where people could like put their face on like Indiana Jones and like Star Wars and stuff. And everyone would share that on their stories. And it was really lighthearted. And before I got in touch with your documentary, I never even thought really about deepfake. Of course, I had heard about deepfake with. The news, like sometimes some, they were fake Obama or Biden or like even Angela Merkel. I'm from Germany. So like even that, and there's like news being spread that weren't news because it was deep fakes because you usually see it, but it's scary how accurate they got. Yeah, And so I think this is to just preface the whole thing because when we think of it, my first thought didn't even go to porn. Yeah, but then when I saw your documentary, we're going to get into this. But when I saw your documentary, I was floored. I was like, yeah. "Is there something like that out, out there of me?" Like, because yeah. what did you, in your documentary you said there are nine thousand five hundred sites? sites, yeah,
1: dedicated to this? What the hell? Yeah, well, dedicated to intimate, <laughs> um, image abuse. So not just deepfakes, but yes. um, sharing of non consensual imagery and you know yeah. hacking imagery and all of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think the the inter- one of the interesting things about deep fakes is that deep fakes almost should expose the victim blaming for what it is yeah because so often it's why did you share that picture why did you wear that skirt why did you do this why did you do that why did you allow that person to follow you yeah um, and all of these um all of the, all of the blame is placed on the shoulders of the woman. Mm-hmm whose consent has been breached and violated. But in the case of deep fakes, for example, the girl whose story we follow in the film, she's a 22 year old engineering student. She's super geeky. She's definitely, well, she. Um, seems like someone that's never sent a nude in her life I and mean, okay. who knows you never know because maybe <laughs> or but watch she was any very, form of porn watch, for that matter it's not a world that she is familiar with no. it's not a world that she's comfortable with so the only thing that you can say she did quote unquote, was befriend the wrong person at university exactly. and exist on the internet yeah. so deepfakes should like undercut this idea of victim blaming because the only way you can really protect yourself is not exist on the internet and, and that, that is not a future that we accept for for the entire, for, for all women, you know, all, all minoritized people, like no. that's insane. So, but, but, and yet, still, she when she goes to the police, they say, "What did you do to call this upon yourself?" That what made my you... blood
0: boil. Yeah. When I see that, or when I saw that in the theater because I went to the premiere, when I saw this, that made me so fucking angry. And I turned out, I turned around to, uh, I turned around to my friend who was with me. I was like, "Men hate women." And it's like it's in the subtlest of shades. And like I know people are gonna come at me and be like, not all men, but it's like we don't know that. And even in if in these instances where we are not believed, where people don't believe us, where they question our authenticity and what we are our credibility basically. That is another reason why we have to assume it's all men. I also, don't know. I
1: don't I don't necessarily think I don't personally find it helpful to think about it being yeah. all really, men. I really don't. I think, that yeah. it's, I think that we all exist in this world and there's misogyny in this world. And there's also power in misogyny. Oh, so and I much. think that, you know, if you look in these um, forums, so yeah. for example, when we released the film, a couple of weeks after we re- re-released the film in the States, um, 4chan picked it up and they ran with it and they wanted it. Do you want to explain
0: for the people who don't sure. know? Because I wasn't as yeah. aware of 4chan either. Yeah.
1: So that was yeah. really helpful. So 4chan is a massive forum where people kind of congregate on different threads and it's all anonymous. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think, um, it's become a kind of hotbed of the alt-right, of yeah. really racist communities. And a lot of it is kind of not safe for work content. Yeah. So like, you know, explicit and pornographic and anime and this and that. So some of it is lovely and gaming and fine and not scary and yeah. maybe some slightly questionable political opinions, but not, you know, uh, a public forum in, in, in and quite open and some of it's fine. Yeah. But then there is a lot of really horrible stuff on there as well. And there are some really horrible threads and people hide behind anonymity and, and the threads kind of pop up and then they when they get action, then they are live and then they're archived. And so They're constantly any thread that has existed on 4chan will be available forever. Yeah. It just won't be like um continually updated. Yeah, um And so a thread appeared about the film where they pirated the film and then started coming at us and coming at T- Taylor, coming at GB. So we anonymize um, Taylor and GB because these communities on 4chan are known for, for retaliation. They're known for tracking people down. They kind of consider themselves like online vigilantes in a way. And they've built this community around often violence against women. and. Um, so we knew that they were going to come for us and they did they tried to post they tried to copy and paste every single thread title that we we'd showed in the film and they tried to find the threads
0: oh because you you kind of you you rebuilt them right yes. it wasn't actual threads we like recreated you. everything thank <laughs> okay. god yes. because
1: otherwise we, they would have found taylor and they would have then gone after her by the way weren't you aren't you scared well, that there's well, something that they picked Stuff of your um, social
0: because you are on social media. There yeah. is stuff out from of you out there. Are you afraid that they are gonna debug some like pornography of you?
1: I'm not afraid because I believe, although I don't know, i and this is not in any way to un- invalidate the extreme trauma that this causes because it really, really does. But I've yeah. had years of preparation with the idea that this might happen to me. Okay, and I think that I've decided that I would, that I will man, I will deal with that. Like if that happens, because I just refuse to not do what I want to do because of that threat. I love that. And it's it's, and I think you know, I maybe it comes from privilege in some spaces of privilege. And I feel I have a huge amount of support. I've been working in this field for a really long time. I yeah. have the the army of people that could help me it is really strong. Plus, you made this film. Plus, I made so this people film. know. Like if there's something of you exactly. out
0: there, they're like, hmm, that's suspicious. Don't think that's her because why would? It, it, Exactly. you know and even i mean but also hey, like I'm even a- if you did
1: but also, no, exactly. But also I'm a kind of, you know, I'm working in the field of gender, like yes. quite actively, like this is my world. I'm surrounded by people that are very sex positive, yes. that are very progressive, that know about these issues. I'm not like Taylor trying to be an engineer, no. going into tech firms where people are not going to be that understanding. People are not going to think, again, people will just see that that her name is associated with porn potentially. Yeah. And then she might not get the job or they might share around in the, in the staff room or whatever. So I do think that the threat level is, is really, really different. Yeah. Um but yeah no and on that thread yeah there were comments about me personal comments Jesus. about me about my parents and you know whatever and also loads of comments about taylor but w- what i was going to say is that one comment back to your po- co- back to what you were saying about like all men is that one of the comments was i hate women and then one of the following comments was and this is trigger warning i'm sorry about sexual assault someone had commented i rape women oh and my yeah and this is this is the, the level of discourse and it's and it's there and and it's yeah and it's really it's really really chilling to see community builds being being to see people kind of coming together through through this idea of hatred of women yeah and it's very it is very real but I don't think that it's um necessarily helpful to talk about whether that's everyone or not yeah. I think that we all can exist and we can all can act in a way that's misogynistic women oh, included absolutely. oh absolutely you know what I mean in the same way that we can all act in a way that's racist and the structures of our society yeah you know it's um, and produce those contexts as well um but there, but I think that we I feel more empowered to change this by thinking about how that idea is being Uh, that these threads are like a furnace for that idea and that people are being brought in because they don't have other spaces to go to get connection, to feel powerful, to feel like they have agency. And so they end up, and that's not to say, there are a lot of people out there that don't feel powerful and don't have agency and they don't go on this And they don't go on this exactly. So there's a lot of choice involved as well. And people have to be accountable for what they do. It's not all passive, you know, oops, I ended up on 4chan and now I've been writing rape comments. However, I think that we, we need to understand where those ideas are coming from. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that we need to, we need to expect better. We need to expect better of men. We need to expect that they won't be like that.
0: We need but to have to admit though, that's sometimes, and, and I'm not shitting on men here, but sometimes it's like, I think every woman, and then, so to that, not all men kind of thing, right? how I get to this, like, I know that it's not all men because I see it in my family. It's not like my, my, my brother, my brothers, like not the type of people. So I have like friends and, and like extended family. I know this. There's this one analogy that I really love whenever I get into like talking to men about it and they're like, yeah, but it's not all men. Like I always bring them this, um, this analogy is like, I gave you three cakes. Only one is poisoned. But it's not all cakes. So that's the thing, like, why it is all men, but why it's not against all men. But but like, I because like, because we can see
1: it. But, but what you're doing is you are, um, making it, uh, and a binary between if that person is or is not a certain thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like the idea around racism. It's like, is that person a racist? Yeah. No person is a racist or not a racist. Someone can be really involved in racist ideology. Yeah. Someone can be really not involved in racist ideology and yeah. still do something or say something that yeah. has a racist you know, yeah. effect. And I think um, with, with I, I do think it's important for us to be aware that it is, the people that are doing this are not kind of misogynist monsters that live under a bridge of the internet, and that are oh, these like terrible beings that are like ogres. That they're teachers, you know, they're, they are they're exactly. they teachers, they're, they're professors, they're philosophers, they're philosophers. So, so that they might be, you know, our siblings. They might be our friends. Yeah, and I think that thinking about thinking more about the power and i believe that every man or every male presenting person Mm -hmm. will have used masculinity at some point to to gain power yeah and and i think that and and i think we have to like understand that so i think that what we need to try and target is the ways that allow that idea and that ethos and that ideology to grow yeah and and actually less so each individual person are they a misogynist or not oh yeah i don't know how helpful that is honestly yeah and i think
0: uh, can we agree on this that at least like what this is about it's more like about we don't know like who's going because people have been hurt like people i don't know the domestic abuse um rate that there is but those are people who who thought they knew that person so what i mean with this with this not all men it's like we cannot see that from the outside the same as you cannot see if someone's racist on the outside so as women and you said that as well right like it's it's almost put on us to figure it out to be cautious we are being told carry your pepper spray, do that self-defense class instead of telling young men to respect women. Absolutely. And I think that is the cause. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm totally, I totally understand your point. And yeah, I'm absolutely. also, I'm, I'm not for like hating all men. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, I'm still attracted to them. Funnily <laughs> enough, but uh, it's like, no, and I agree. But what would you say is, what's the, what's the solution? Because we cannot, what I do not go with is like putting the um putting the the responsibility back on women because like I feel like we're already the problem solvers we're already the people who have to adjust and as you said right like if like the deep fake porn it's is it just women or is there or is there a certain amount of do you, have you? It's a va- I've I've seen uh, like a fraction of men being targeted. Yeah. So like ninety percent women. Yeah. Let's yeah, say that definitely. So like, and if that's the case, like if if the terrorization happens, like of women more than of men, like what what is the solution?
1: Like well, how do we yeah. do this? This okay, is what I'm going for it. It. So I got I got a lot of thoughts on this. Yes, so, please. Okay. Well, number one, um creating uh amplifying survivor voices yes and making sure that people know that it was not their fault mm-hmm. that they did not call this la- breach of their consent exactly. upon themselves and that means having a survivor focused movement which includes sex workers includes only fans creators includes engineers includes the the kind of geekiest tailor end of the spectrum <laughs> and everything else in between they have a question yeah how do you get
0: those people to speak out? Because I, I, I figure, and it comes across in the documentary as well. Like it is quite stressful for those people. Yes. Do you want to talk on the fact, like how Absolutely. you made this in the documentary, yeah. how
1: you respected or how you protected them? Well, that that's that's. So I think that this goes to our question yeah. quite um, deeply because I. Believe that change happens when survivors speak out because they Absolutely. change the they destigmatize the event. Th- this abuse aims to shame and aims to silence. Yes, and when people tell their story, that shaming they reject that shaming to a certain yeah. extent, and they reject that silencing to a certain extent. Yeah. And I agree with you that it's a shame that the you know there's a lot of labour and effort and work that goes on and energy and it's exhausting and. One of the survivors that's spoken out incredibly for years called Noelle Martin said that the the harassment and abuse that she's received as being a public um, survivor of deepfakes has been as traumatizing as the deepfakes themselves. Because that's when you really see people like hate you and want to tear you down. Yeah. However, I do. So therefore, I really understand why any individual might decide I just don't want to be the person to yes. do that. But I do really, really believe that that is how change happens. And that's how you start to build a movement. And that's how you start to build coalition yeah. because that validates the experiences of somebody else. And that's what we saw when GB, the amazing ASMR artist in yes. the film. I didn't know Square her before.
0: Yeah. And then Sophie's next to me. She's like, oh my God, I follow her forever. And yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I have no
1: idea what she is. She's, <laughs> she's really interesting because so many people, like, they, they, this, people either have never heard of her or they're obsessed, or with, they're her. obsessed like, with her. It's just kind of, there's no in
0: between. But it was so, it was so interesting and so cool to see like when she spoke out on Twitter and just put it out there. And when I heard this and, and just listening to her and then reading all the comments that she got of like, thank you so much. This happened to
1: me too. It's like, what? It, it can really just like it, it it's a get something going <sighs> absolutely and and what it also did was it validated the experience yes. for other women and there had been other content creators that have been suffering in silence that hadn't even like acknowledged the, the hurt hadn't even acknowledged that it was they had it and then completely just pushed, it yeah. pushed it away you know people talk about a lot of survivors talk about that moment when they open the screen and they see it for the first time and then lots of people just slam that screen down and then it's gone and like- file it away in I'm never going to talk about that yeah. and actually that is you know massively silencing And that's, yes. and then, a, so she gets young women saying, I want to be a content creator. And she has to say, you are going to probably, if you become successful like she is, you're going to have to hide your address. You're going to have to scrub all of your records online because you're going to have a stalker and you're going to oh. have people, you know, making their own discord threads about you specifically sharing porn of you that you haven't consented to. You know, it's, it's really, really extreme for, especially for women with such an online profile. I didn't, uh, I, I don't know why it makes me emotional right now because like, um, Oh
0: God, like I have no idea why this, ha- this is happening right now. Um, but like even I, when I was younger, I even like had this fear of like, of something happening. I was always very cautious about everything. And so just imagining of like, because when you showed that in the documentary as well, like that your address is being doxed, that people yeah. can through Google Maps, like they can see where your window is and yeah. all of that. Like you walk through like you already as women we walk through this world nowadays like being cautious of certain things like not going out at night alone like not going to certain parts of the city not going through a park or so it's like it's one more way yeah to just yeah. make us feel even less safe and i already feel safe in the world like yeah. i mean we're both white women yeah like we're we yeah. basically on like the women's spectrum we're white straight cis women i yeah. i assume yeah like, i don't want to assume anything. Yeah. Um, as I I'm I'm just thinking of everyone else who's like who doesn't have the privilege. Yeah. That we just by having the the skin color that we
1: have. And oh God. I the well, topic. I think that's why that's why you have to you have to um think about that's why that's why I believe that speaking out is so important. Because it helps to build community. But it's only in building community that we can start to like bring that privilege and yeah. bring and create more of a safety net for other people and yeah. help, you know, and help that will each survivor speaking out e- even if they never know about it is creating a shift in the, exactly. the conversation which will make it easier yeah. which will mean that there's less shaming of this one other person who maybe doesn't have yeah. some of the privileges that we're talking about yeah so that's why i think it's it's so 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 important and then the other thing that i think is really really important is to think about well the other thing that we've tried to do in our work is to focus on structures Not when you're thinking about accountability, focus on structures and focus on, um, really targeting like the conditions that allow this to happen. And for me, that's one way that I kind of address the emotions that come up with this is that when we're thinking about these subjects, I think it can feel very overwhelming and it can feel very scary. And every woman or female identifying person will have experienced some form yeah. of harassment or sexual assault, like yeah. without shadow of a doubt. And it's a really, really horrible reality. And it was only in 2017 that we all joined the dots and realized that. And it was only in 2017 that men were like, wait, hang on a second. You're all de- like men. I know. Kind of ally friends were like, wait, what? what? Yeah. All dealing with this. And, and the same for, for us as well. Yeah. And so... It's still that uh, that awareness is still so fresh, and I think yeah. that one thing that can happen is people ask you this: it's like by bringing more awareness to it, are you bringing more fears, you know, etc. But I believe that knowledge really, really is essential. It is, here. yeah. And but what I also have seen is how movements develop. And JB's, as you say, her, her one post, I mean, she has a huge platform, yes. that one post, the ripple effect of that was enormous, enormous and way, way, way beyond the increased harassment that it brought yeah. her. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've been working in this field for like four years and just seeing how. Individual stories that go to the press, you know, one person deciding to speak out, starting a WhatsApp group. My amazing friend and and collaborator Ruby, who was one of thirty women whose images were all they 30 women went to the police on one day because they found a thread which they were all on from one town. Yeah. It was on the BBC. Look it up. It's a really great story because what it shows is um, one, that this can happen to anyone, but then two, the fact that it was because Ruby went and started speaking to people and saying, wait you know, this happened to your sister, this happened to, and brought people together into a WhatsApp group that they all suddenly realized that yeah. they weren't dealing with it on their own. So then there were the 30 women came together in this WhatsApp group and they have been able to drive so much change because then the police couldn't ignore them. I mean, they no. tried, but yeah, they, they were able to then go to the superintendent and da-da-da, yeah. da-da-da. And then Ruby shared her story in the press. And all of these individual stories which have happened because of groups of people coming together, have led to, you know, laws being changing in the the UK. So many people are aware of this issue in a completely different way. The way that the media reports on it is completely transformed from the victim blaming of, of three years ago. Exactly. And, you know, we... Uh, what I've seen is that we really can do so much more than we think. And even like, so So the the other um, strategy that we have in our approach with this campaign is, as I said, to target the sites and to target the, the kind of infrastructures around it. So we've done a lot of the work that we've done behind the scenes is like working out how is this happening? Who is like involved in the kind of line in the kind of who are the gatekeepers and what's the pathway for someone to do this? Yes. So we look at these sites there are 9,500 sites that are dedicated to image-based sexual violence. Realistically, we're not going to get them to change their ways. No. You know, that would be like an um, impossible thing to try <laughs> yes, and do. It's... But what we really, really can do is stop them being so accessible and stop new people coming into them and stop, them, and stop the normalization and the fact that they're now, you know, considered porn websites when they're yes. not. It's abuse. Yeah. And you went through Google, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the Google thing, so Google is, is what is one of the main, um, um, gatekeepers. So if you Google like how to harm a cat, Google has got this process of indexing animal abuse websites. And so it will say you what you will get is not like tutorials about how best how to g- harm your cat. cat. <laughs> Literally, it's it's like animal abuse charities and like why you shouldn't harm your cat. It's yes, like don't. Please. please. It's like, not good. So take a minute before
0: you harm your cat and just think about what you're doing. You know <laughs> Maybe I mean? just like give it up for adoption. You know, like
1: Literally. if you don't want to have it anymore, there are shelters.
0: Yeah. Literally. So there's like resources. Literally.
1: Exactly. So that's, that's you know, it's it's made that decision. Um, but in the case of violence against women, it hasn't made that decision. So if you Google how to make deepfake porn of my girlfriend, it will tell it will give you a load of tutorials about how to make deepfake porn of it's your girlfriend. It's not going to give
0: tell you like, don't do that it's because it's a hate crime. It's oh, cool. not going to tell you
1: don't do that. And then it will take you straight to the sites. Nice. And that's the decision. Yeah. So we, we can change the uh, cultural acceptability of yeah. these sites. We can make Google really aware. We can bring all of our voices To say and to send an email, we actually on our website, we have a template email that we are encouraging everyone that was to support. We're going to put that in the show notes as well. Please put it in the show notes because. What has we we were actually speaking to certain tech companies about like what would make you what would you listen to? Yeah. And one of the amazing allies of the film is the former CMO of Adobe. And she was like, Listen, if we get five hundred emails from the public in a month, we have to put that in our And five hundred you know, is not much. Five hundred is not much. Like it sounds a lot at the beginning, yeah. but like And that's, that's a lot not much. And that, that's a lot more effective than You know, 50,000 people on a petition, which can be discounted. It's when individual employees actually get Get emails, emails. then, you know, that really does make a difference. So we've been starting this like guerrilla email campaign about to Google. And a week ago, we heard back from the vice president of trust and safety saying, we're going to, we are considering this policy. nice So, congratulations you know maybe they won't consider maybe they'll consider it and decide not to do anything or maybe you know whatever i'm sure that this is like this is nothing yet but it means that they that they are listening and if you told me that you know three years ago that that we would be having that kind of discourse. Yes. And that is because we're not letting them get away with it because yeah. every public appearance that me and so many survivor leaders who are really leading this whole conversation, we are at Google. We are nice, you know, and, and, and that has been, that has been really, really, really inspiring. That and I think incredible. that because when you see like these communities, like this is the new frontier in, yeah. the, in many ways. And in some ways, I mean, I watched the incredible film, How to Have Sex on the Weekend. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's about consent and it's about a kind of girl's holiday, like, to like Magaluf or Malia or somewhere like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's about, yeah, consent and how, um, especially like younger women just are really not, um, yeah. don't have the language to express what no. they want and what they don't want and don't have the language to talk about things like sexual experiences that, that become, you know, really uncomfortable. And yeah. I, know, oh, I won't get, I won't spoil it a lot. But, um, but it was very triggering. Oh God. <laughs> but it was really beautiful and really powerful. Is it about like, is it,
0: uh, can you name like the, the main premise of the film? Is it like women coming together
1: and... Or um no, it's about one woman's experience and sexual okay. experience. It's about there are three friends they go on this girls' holiday. Okay, and one of them has has some really uncomfortable and. Um, I would say non-consensual sexual experiences. Yeah. Um, But it's all quite blurred lines. It's this lads, lads, lads moment. She's drunk. She's this, she's that. She doesn't specifically say no. So it's not, it it kind of breaks down the conversation around consent in a much more nuanced way. And it was very relatable. Yeah. And and I think it speaks to that thing of so many young women. And I was totally like this. I did not know what to expect. I did not know what to ask for. I did not, I definitely didn't know how to ask for my own pleasure. Uh, What? But what but is you know what,
0: what is on I mean? pleasure?
1: No, exactly. What? I didn't have any vocabulary to express my wants, my needs, my exactly. fears, and I didn't have the vocabulary to say no, and therefore I found myself in many situations that, looking yeah. back on, I'm like. That was deeply traumatizing absolutely, and 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 really problematic.
0: Yeah. And you also, you push it away because you don't want to think about it because it brings up shame again. And shame, it is something, shame is a topic that so many women deal with. I found this through the women's circles that I host. So, and, And coming back to how to bring, not necessarily just survivors of this abuse, but women in general, when women in general come together and they share their stories you won't believe the amount of times I sat in a circle and there were at least three women who had similar stories, yeah. who went through the same thing. And I don't necessarily always mean traumatizing things. I mean, beautiful things like maybe their mothers. Sometimes they had a history of bullying. Sometimes they grew up in the same town. And it's always when these women come together, that so beautiful things like are created through this. Yeah. And I think that speaks to to come back to the initial topic of the episode, like should I send that nude? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you feel comfortable with it, if you feel comfortable and, and you should feel comfortable with your body. No yeah. matter like if you are proud of your body and you are with someone who you think like, oh, that person is trustworthy,
1: okay. But the other and the other part of that conversation is if something bad happens and it might, yeah. we we take that risk. Yeah. Um, should I talk about it and that's when I really 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 would urge people yes yeah because as you say and I think this film Molly's film how to have sex really functions actually in a really comparable way to another body as a explainer of silencing and you can see how because she's not uh, the character is not aware or not uh, quite able to articulate to herself what is happening. Yeah. She becomes imprisoned by that experience and it gets stuck. And that, and therefore there is no accountability for the people that are doing that.
0: Yeah, If you share it, you actually get people to validate your experience. And Absolutely. You're not being pushed into this silence. Like you're not being silenced. And yes, it can be uncomfortable at first, Absolutely. especially when you're younger. I mean, like um, in like late 20s, early 30s, like, you know, it's like we have... The vocabulary now, we have the groups of people hopefully around us that will understand and that will like basically lift us up and encourage us to just and and take that shame because when we share it, it automatically takes shame away. And if you are in a group of people that make you shameful about this reconsider if you're around the right people, because if you have people who enable your shame, then they have something to gain from that. Like they gain something, they benefit from you mm. not having boundaries. And I touched on that in another episode, but it's basically, as you said, talk about it, make it known, take away this like hush hush moment and make it into a state, not a statement, but yeah, the more people that that we can get together and get away from this idea that there can only be one woman woman at the top because that's that's also the power dynamic that happens here because if we silence women like that that's when the patriarchy thrives through that so mm-hmm. a way to inch closer to equality is when us women come together not to reclaim like you know power over all people but like to just create a society where we as men feel safe with each other as well
1: but it's also this thing about normalization and it's in this thing about um and I I love what you just said and I think that what you saw and, and and this is not to excuse any behavior but it also by and this is not to blame anyone that doesn't speak out, because I really do oh, understand yeah. the reasons why people oh, absolutely. don't. But I think that I think in How to Have Sex is actually a really great case study of that. Is that because of, in that absence of speech, in that absence of in not saying what she experienced or what she needed, or not having the vocabulary, yeah. her and her friends are not able to. She doesn't get the support that she needs, oh. and also she's then not able to to say to the guys that that was not okay. And the person, the perpetrator, quote unquote doesn't get any accountability, doesn't get told. So the narrative, so he probably goes off and thinks like we had a bit of fun, like, and, and we have to challenge that because what we see on these threads is actually a really good, um, comparison to that because so many people say it's not real. And especially with online abuse, it's so easily discounted even more so than, than like real, you know, tangible abuse, I think. Um, not really, her body. What's the big deal? Yeah, She's but it's like, it so seriously. But it's her mental health. It's exactly. like what it's,
0: what the impact it has on her life, on her future. As yeah. we sa- saw with Taylor, like it can totally just yeah, it can destroy your future.
1: And that's why we need we need the people that are engaging this to know that what they're doing is, is wrong, non consensual, yeah, and know. it's abusive. And there are going to be a couple of people that do it anyway. Yeah. But we, it's like the middle, it's the gray area of people who are being not challenged on the idea that this is not problematic. This is not wrong. It's yeah. not a big deal. And yeah. it's the, you know, so the biggest deepfake porn website is getting 14 million hits a month. Fuck yeah. 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 Uh, I actually am surprised uh, it's not more honestly, because some of the views, yeah. you know, there's individual views of individual celebrities that have hundreds of millions of views, you know, like it, it's just, un- I cannot imagine. And this is a whole other part of the deepfake conversation is how have we accepted that this is acceptable for know. Scarlett Johansson and Emma Watson? why are they not like speaking out against it right well they're not I mean because I mean Scarlett Johansson did actually yeah she was one of the first and her this was in 2017 and she said the internet is a wormhole that eats itself and there's nothing that can be done on the internet and and I I I would love to have the opportunity to speak to her today and be like look at what we're doing it's not it's not a law school send that to her it's not a law school literally have you ever thought about it? Just like oh, sending that. We've time. been trying. <laughs> oh, you've been trying? Oh, yes, 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 yes. And how, well, how did that go? <laughs> I, 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 can we not talk about this on oh, the podcast? I can, no, no do you this can out. cut this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we've been, we've been, we've been in talks with her people for a long time, but we haven't managed to speak to it at the
0: Okay, well, you will. <laughs> the lady point. herself. Um, to, again, to kind of come back to the question, like, um, it doesn't start with sending nudes or not sending nudes, because even if you have never sent a nude in your life or ever watched porn in your life, um, people just need your face. But that doesn't mean that you should shy away from being online, from being on the internet, because that only supports the people who are. Yeah. And I think so
1: much of our conversation is about, um, well, a way that I'm thinking about our conversation is that there are two different Context, <laughs> my favorite word. Bring <laughs> it it's, into concept. Bring, bring it up your opinion. Context. Exactly. <laughs> One is there's a reality to each individual's experience and especially yeah. each survivor experience. And you know, you know what's best for you. And it may be necessary for you to just take a break yeah. switch off your social media go private for a bit really like regroup yeah. be on your own look you know you may have to take steps you might have there might be threats that that I mean I could never understand as someone who's not experiencing them yeah. so you have to figure out what is best for you in that moment and so, and that is very valid and then there's also the very broader big picture which when you're not experiencing it directly I believe it's our responsibility to be thinking about and that's where you realize that To caution people to be afraid to share the nude. To caution people to be cautious with their privacy settings. Definitely think about your privacy settings in terms of what data you're giving away to the tech companies. Yes, please. Yes, please. (laughs) But in terms of like being afraid that somebody may misuse that, I really think that we have to think about what is the logical endpoint of that argument. The logical endpoint of that argument is that you as women are not allowed to exist fully on the internet and. In, in and that's why and the logical end scenario is this scenario of deep fakes where the images are scraped anyway yeah so what the hell is the point in all of that caution? yeah like might because as well be online might as well be online <laughs> if
0: it's happened anyways like why should we why give should away one my, more one more part
1: of our existence why should i make my instagram private when yeah. it could easily be someone that i know who's within your friend group you know what without, i mean without like, without just like spoilering the documentary yeah it's like but because but it often the, is yeah. like it, it often is some random person that's never met you is very unlikely to be bothered to make it to make a deep fake of you, of you. No yeah. offense, <laughs> 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 unless
0: you're Scarlett Johansson you like, which is the, the but then again, problem with celebrities exactly but yeah. if you're like someone <laughs> that is just ex- existing on the internet like yeah. maybe someone comes across your page and is like oh she has a nice face <laughs> yeah but but other but,
1: than that but, yeah but that's why the 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 advice I believe can't be shut down, do less, don't exist because we don't, In an individual life, you won't see the logical endpoint of that argument being reached, but there is now academic research that talks about the silencing effect. Yeah. And women who are harassed online do shut themselves off. Yeah. And that does mean that we get less people trying to be politicians, less people trying to be journalists, less people trying to be actors. Yeah. And, and, and all of that. And that is really, and the, and also I think, you know, one, Comparison to that is the individual silencing on an individual life. And there's almost like a moment where we've, I've seen, um, with survivors and I've, I saw with Taylor that there was a moment when it could have all started to implode yeah. and then it becomes more and more and more restrictive but I, in, on the other hand I've seen her push through each new threat, each new fear, the fear of going back to school, the fear of telling your parents, the fear of you know um, sending out a job application and each new thing which yeah. is an, another place where you're coming up against this abuse and each time she decides to do it anyway yes. so the, the amplification effect of that growth and the amplification effect of that strengthening and that change which means that she's now at a place and and I'm so proud of this where she's doing so well and she's at and she's got a sick job at this massive like you know Silicon Valley life which is insane she's doing it for all of us she's deciding to go where so many women have not gone before because she's unbelievably strong on on a deep level and she said to me that she this is not in the film, but we had a conversation not too long ago where she said that someone in her office, she turned around and it, she just suddenly thought that it was the perpetrator it was a kind of you know a trigger yeah and um at work and she was really unsettled and she went to the bathroom and had to kind of you know she was just very deeply like triggered and so that shows that this is going to be something that's going to be with her yeah you know forever and yet she's still decided to go into that male-dominated environment and 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 the way that that has changed who she is as a person yeah is unbelievable. But also because you gave her a voice, like you guys with the documentary. (laughs) She had the voice Yeah, no, but like you, like
0: she, it was both of, both teams, uh, so to speak. Like it was her coming forward, but also you guys just bringing this together in such a beautiful way and just, really projecting it outside so that more people know about this. And I feel like that must be, I can only imagine being in Taylor's shoes, but just it has to feel like such a support. And like, you're not a one woman army, but that you have a whole group of people, thousands of people behind you. I mean, even 500 emails to Google like that. Just imagine 500 people in a room. That's a lot. So yeah congrats to you. This is incredible. And I urge everyone to see this documentary, share it with everyone online, share it with your friends, with your family. It is such an important topic and one that is only at the beginning to be fully scoped. And so like,
1: yeah, this project has been such a um, insane learning curve and inspiration around how much more can can come out of something when you start to try and do something with kind of like a big purpose. You realize that you are a little team that has little resources and all, just was trying to do was trying to make sure that those voices were heard, like really, really has had an impact. And so it's turned us all into activists way beyond what we thought we were to begin with.
0: Speaking of, how can people support you? How can people support the activism that you do?
1: So on the, so the campaign is called My Image, My Choice. Um, On the campaign, on the website, myimagemychoice.org, there's a take action page. So all of those things. But the thing that I really want people to do right now is send the email to Google. Send the email to Google, guys. We need more emails to Google. Yeah, But there are petitions and petitions help because they show that it's getting broad awareness, yeah, so exactly. that's also really helpful. And we also have a on the website. And we're building it out at the moment. We have a um a kind of we work with an AI company that allows people to share their stories anonymously. Yeah. So if people want to share their experience, because you know it has to be right for you, and sometimes publicly is not the right thing. Oh. Um, like in Taylor's case um, so you can like type out your experience and then it will revoice it with AI technology. Nice
0: I will put that all in the show notes so people can go go check that out and also if you have a story and you don't want to share it publicly like use that because as you heard in this episode this really really helps. Any last words to our topic? Should I send that nude or not? Is there any wisdom, any
1: anything you still want to get? I just think get out. I think send it. <laughs> send it. Perfect it. Make it good. Enjoy, Enjoy it.
0: Do a boudoir shoe. Enjoy. It. Just like get someone to that you feel comfortable with to get your ankles. Just, you know. It's really empowering. What can I say? Maybe
1: I will. Maybe I will post the small act of rebellion but it is very powerful it is and i think that in thinking about why you wouldn't want to share that it speaks to all of these fears that we've talked 100 i
0: thought about this in this second i was like
1: yeah oh, yeah
0: there's so much stigma that's like yeah connected to but yeah. you know what I can't wait to
1: hopefully oh see the picture <laughs> be like like hi guys so on the topic here's my nude <laughs> yeah but you know what? I hear that I mean I haven't posted nude images on no. social media I don't think oh um and maybe maybe, maybe we will do <laughs> exactly that's the challenge
0: when the podcast comes out. oh my god okay. yeah so Sophie at the end I always ask my
1: guests as well. So what are you asking for a friend? Okay, I'm asking for a friend what everybody is earning because I think we need to have a lot more transparency. Yes. And um, talk about why and how people have got to where they are and talk about privilege. And I'm just very curious about how much money my friends are making. We need to talk about money more. And also spending. How much do people spend per month? Well, I Am think, I spending more or less than my friends? I have no idea. I think it depends on where you live as well. So of like, course, I mean, London, course. like mm-hmm. a lot,
0: Like, yeah. but that is such a good question. I want to keep this open. I want to do because that's a great question. Have like a financial advisor or someone on. Oh, let's see. But that's a very good question because I, I do believe it's not talked about enough more and we need to be able to, to talk about what we're earning, especially when we're in the same company, because the inequality that happens there sometimes, I have stories. We need transparency. Yes, we do. Well, thank you so much for this. Pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So where can everyone find you? Okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram, Sophie Tara Compton, and you can find the film online. Um, The film is going to be out in the UK um, on the BBC in early 2024. And it's going to be, um, and it's out on Amazon and Apple TV in the US. Perfect. And it's another body dot film on yes. social media. Gonna put it all in
0: the show notes so you know exactly where to go, guys. And now it's up to you. What are you asking for, friend? What are the questions that you're sometimes too afraid to ask? So we're gonna answer them for you. Put them into the question box below or send them to me at Elena Megan on instagram that's where you can find me new episodes drop every tuesday so make sure to click subscribe and also maybe write the podcast we love seeing your five-star ratings (laughs) wink wink and so thank you so much again sophie for being on the episode today such a pleasure thank you for having me and everyone i see you next week bye